good morning. We've come to give honor and praise to the name above every name. We invite you to stand with us. Go ahead and greet each other. Make sure that everybody here feels welcome. We invite, invite you as we continue to worship through song. I searched the world, but it couldn't fill me. Here in 
the sound of the symphony to my ears. It's like holy water on my skin. This time, we want to invite all the kids through fifth grade to head on over and join Pastor Aaron and uh, Miss Sam over there for children's worship. All right, good crowd. Morning, everybody. <laughs> Crawling. <laughs> Everybody doing good this morning? Yeah? Did you like having all this snow? Yeah? Yeah, and all of us are like, you got to play with it? Yeah, so did I. I moved it all off my driveway. 
Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's, uh, let's pray for you all, okay? God, thank you again for your grace, that love that you have for us that you give freely. And I just pray for my friends here this morning as they go off and learn more about you, as we learn more about you together as well. Lord, that we would know more about what that amazing gift is of Jesus in our lives. So Lord, grow their hearts uh, to love you, to know you, to be held by you, and please do the same for all of us as well. God, thank you um, for my little friends here. Thanks for my friends in this room. Thanks for those who are united through your spirit. Uh, God, we love you. We praise you in the name of Jesus and all God's children said, amen. amen. All right. Go in peace, friends. As we continue to prepare our hearts and minds to receive the word, uh, we invite you to stand and sing with us. Uh, this song is going to sort of center us in the message that's coming, uh, the message about the Pharisee and, and uh, his guest. So go ahead and stand. Yeah, go ahead and stand. I've been strong and I've been broken within a moment. I've been faithful and I've been reckless in every bend. I've stood tall and I have crumbled. And I've stood tall and I have crumbled in the same. i 
just stay standing and pray singing. God, thank you for loving us as you find us. Thanks for your grace that reaches into our hearts and our lives and, and rescues us. 
Thank you that you've loved us long before we ever knew you. God, we praise you, honor you in the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. Before we dive into the message this morning, I've got a, a couple of announcements uh, for us, a couple of things I want to draw your attention to. First, next week we're going to have a, a potluck here for Watershed. Uh, one of the things we want to be about here is friendships, creating bridges for friendships and relationships. So if you want to join us for a potluck, if we're a small group, we'll be upstairs. If we're a big group, we'll be down here and we'll leave tables up, but just a time to enjoy relationship, connect. Uh, I want to thank Sarah. Yep, I'm bringing attention to you for <laughs> getting us rolling on that, but I uh, want to invite you to that uh, next week after worship. And then uh, this coming Wednesday, this book, Scandalous Stories, we're starting a series in the parables. Uh, this is a book that as pastors, uh, we've got up on our website in the spiritual formation page uh, as a recommendation. We're reading together. Now, this is a nice accessible book. You see how, how big it is. Right, we got the box at home, and there were like 25 books, and Kendra goes, was there 25 books in there? She's used to getting boxes of my other books that are like, one, just, just FYI, one book I have on the parables is 900 pages. So this is way more accessible. Um, but uh, Pastor JB is going to lead a discussion group around uh, some of what this book is, is going through. So if you're interested in that, on Wednesday nights. Uh, you can join us for that. Otherwise, if you're interested in just kind of diving into some of what we're reading as we go along, uh, if you go to the Spiritual Formation page too on our heartofwhite.com website, uh, you'll also see books that we recommend for podcasts uh, that us as pastors do. We do one podcast a month and we read through a book. We just have a discussion and basically, it's just how can we talk about things in a world that doesn't know how to talk to each other without getting into major arguments? We want to talk and talk about what we're reading, invite you in to listen to that, maybe start conversations as well. So just want to point your attention to those things. Again, too, just a reminder, if you want to uh, connect, need prayer, uh, if you need to pray, you can text pray to the number up on the screen, 202-1210. You want to connect, text connect. Uh, if you want to give, you can text give to that number, and that'll point you to a quick little brief form you can fill out. Uh, so with that, though, let's again go to our God in prayer. God, thanks uh, for your love for us again, that grace. Thank you that, Lord, you have offered us forgiveness. We need that forgiveness each and every day. Thank you, uh, Lord, as we think about uh, just what we've kind of walked through here in West Michigan over the last few days of just uh, the warmth of our homes, the, the safety and crews that are out there spreading salt, plowing roads. Lord, as, we think, as I think about that, um, Lord, I also think about those in our community who struggle to find places to be. Lord, a roof over their heads, a warm meal. I thank you for things like the rescue mission in communities like that, that that continue to provide those, those opportunities, uh, Lord, for safekeeping and care. But Lord, continue to keep, help us keep our eyes open where we can care for those who, Lord, oftentimes in these times as we're in our homes, we, we see less and less because we tend to go from work to home or church to home or wherever it is, and, and we're not out and about as much. So, Lord, help us to be aware of those needs. Lord, we continue to also know that 
there have been more people just dealing with COVID and not just COVID uh, throughout these last weeks. We have the flu going around. There's colds. There's other just everyday um, issues going on. Lord, our hospitals are still dealing with capacity issues. So God, we, we pray that you would continue to just strengthen our immune systems, strengthen our bodies. Lord, bring health and well-being to others. Lord, continue to work through our nurses, our doctors. Lord, our EMTs, our police, our fire as they serve our community. Continue to watch out and cover them, Lord. Lord, as we think about just uh, folks in our own community here, as we think about struggles, health, Lord, we want to continue to lift up Helene. And just as she had a biopsy this week, God, we pray for good news. We pray for more direction on where the cancer in her body is coming from. And, and God, we pray for a, a healing first and foremost, a healing for her body. God, we know that you're able. God, and if you choose to, to work through doctors, we pray that, God, you would give them the wisdom and, and the knowledge and the know-how. But Lord, even having that biopsy this week was a step. It was, was a hurdle that needed to be cleared. And God, you were there. And so thank you for, for being there for her. We think about the Visser family, Lord, and their daughter as she's um, early in a pregnancy, uh, Lord, but it's, a, it's more of a high-risk pregnancy. And so, um, God, with twins. And so we pray just for safekeeping for Kate and those babies as, as they grow, Lord. Protect her. We think about Jim, Rhonda, as he's dealt with cancer and, and it looks like there's signs of it coming back. And Lord, we pray Again, for your strength, your healing, and your hand to be upon him. Lord, in our Hardaway community, over these last, this last week, we've celebrated the life of Beth Bowes. We continue to lift up the Bowes family, Lord. We continue to lift up the Bosco family and the loss of their son-in-law, Adam. God, as we go through death and face not just the shadow of death in our lives and sickness and disease and losses of jobs, wondering about where we'll find a place to get a warm meal, Lord. We also face death and its reality, that separation of life. God, we pray that you would just bring your comfort and your peace, that your, your presence will overwhelm and give a safety and a security to these families and others who have dealt with that loss. And may your hope of a resurrection in life be there for God, these are just, again, some of our prayers that we lift to you. Thank you that you hear the many other prayers that are mumbling around in our mind and in our hearts, the things we don't know how to say, the things that we've had to write out because we just had to think about it the right way. But Lord, you hear all of our prayers. So thank you. Thank you for hearing these. Thank you for caring about us and refusing to leave us in this place alone. Now, God, as we hear your word, Pray that you'd speak to us, that you'd lead us, that you would guide us by your spirit, that you'd teach us, Jesus, as you have taught others, and that our hearts would be open to you and your kingdom. In the name of Jesus, we pray these things, and all God's people said, amen. Like I mentioned this morning, we're starting a, a series called The Scandal of Grace, and we're looking at the parables these short stories of Jesus. We're looking at um, approximately eight of them, and Jesus told over 40 
short stories. That's what parables are. They're short stories. Allegory are kind of longer stories. As I thought about storytelling, one of my excitements over the last couple of weeks was the fact that Matrix Resurrections came out and I could watch it on HBO Max and Spider-Man No Way Home. Like, I was, oh, I love movies. I don't know about you. That, some of you love books. I love movies, and I love all kinds of them. And yes, I was a Matrix freak because it just blew my mind. It got all my philosophy, religion, all, like, the, the, I can't even say some of the words right now. You know, like, I'm just, oh. And I'm like, oh, what are they going to come? Because Neo died, right? Trinity is dead. How are they going to bring this back? You know, I was excited about it. Spider-Man, again, what's, I, I, I won't give any spoilers. Don't worry. Spider-Man, that, that, that principle, right, that we all know, with great power comes great. Yeah, right? Odd, right? The youngest in the room, you know, some of our young ones know more than we do. But with great power comes great responsibility. That's what I love about stories, right? That's what I love about movies. And I think there's something, isn't there, about stories? Is a good story causes us to think and ponder, right? Causes us to, to process, to wrestle, to, to, to go, well, you know, if you just came and said, this is the way it is, I might actually go, I don't want to listen to you, right? Well, no, this is just the truth, and you got to deal with it. No, instead, if you tell me a story about how something goes or, or it, it, it invites me in, it makes me think about it. That's what I love about movies. And that's also what I love about Jesus. Jesus was a phenomenal storyteller. And he had a purpose for telling stories. Right? Much of what Jesus said, as I mentioned before, were parables, short stories. I looked up the definition for short stories, these parables. And here's what Merriam-Webster had to say. Usually a short, fictitious story that illustrates a moral adult attitude or religious principle. The Oxford Dictionary would go on to say, like Jesus talks about in the New Testament. Now I'm going to contend with that in just a moment. But in, in its basic form, according to our dictionary, right, it, it, it's something that teaches us about how we behave and what we believe fundamentally. A short story to teach us morality and behavior, right, and what we think. It goes on to say this, and sometimes it's also something likened to a parable in providing an instructive example or a lesson. And this can be a new story. It can be something real. You know, sometimes it's me telling a story up here that you go, it's factual, this happened, but I'm telling you for a purpose. That's a parable. But if we listen to the dictionary's definition of a parable, which I think has happened often in the church, that it's just a moral story or it's just teaching us about a religious truth, that's its intent, we're going to miss what Jesus was actually doing with the parables. Because while, yes, it talks about our morality, and yes, it talks about theological ideas, what we believe about God, that's not, to Jesus, a parable's first intent. That's why it's scandalous to people. It's not what they expected. To Jesus, he's inviting. A parable is something that's inviting, wants you to come in, but it's also puzzling. Jesus said parables not just to, to, to give you a truth about something, but he, didn't ma- he, he, didn't bo- he wasn't bothered by disrupting your ideas, making you wonder, making you question. That parables actually 
might be even scandalous. And scandal being something that's offensive. He wasn't afraid to offend what we think, what we believe. Right? It was a short story meant to explain what Jesus was doing in bringing about and revealing the kingdom of God. Jesus, when he was telling parables, is saying, no, the first thing about parables is not morality. It's not a theological idea. The first thing about parables is me and what I'm about, what I'm revealing in the kingdom of God. So if we read the parables is simply like a, a heavenly story with an earthly meaning, we're going to miss it. If I can read for a moment from our Scandalous Stories book, Maybe it'll entice you to pick, a, pick up a copy, but we'll see. Chad Bird writes in the introduction this. He says, we often hear parables defined as, quote, earthly stories with a heavenly meaning. How many of you might have heard that before, right? I've heard that. But that's not only too simplistic, he says. It's misleading. To begin with, the parables are not your predictable earthly story where good guys finish first, Bad guys finish last, and the dashing hero rides off into the sunset with the beauty queen smiling beside him. Very often in the parables of Jesus, the good guy doesn't get the girl, he gets the shaft. The man with a black hat receives a standing ovation, and the unwashed riffraff of society is scooped up from the gutter and plopped down at the head of the king's table with a T-bone steak and a glass of Merlot. These may be earthly stories, but they read more like immorality tales. He'll go on to talk about how parables are then rooted in, in, in life, in the, in the reality in which we live. And he picks up and he says this, here's a good rule of thumb as you read the parables. If you find yourself as the hero of any parable, you're doing it wrong. Because that wasn't what Jesus was about. Jesus being centered to the story, not us. He says the kingdom in these parables is a kingdom of grace, right? God's unmerited favor. Kingdom of grace, that is to say a kingdom of crucifixion, of scandal, of upside-down theology, right? It's puzzling. It's upside-down theology. The only hero of the parables is this messianic madman who gives away the gold of forgiveness like it's candy, who hides oceans of grace in a drop of faith. And who continually crowns the last, the least, the little, and the lifeless. The king in this kingdom is a servant who comes to give his life as a ransom for many. Indeed, he comes to reveal that in God's eyes, that ransom was paid long, long ago from the foundation of the world. He was the sacrifice, the victim. As Pastor Mary reminded us last week, the lamb. He's the seed of life sown all the world who bears within himself all the life and fruitfulness of the Father. He is the mystery hidden from ages ago who manifests himself in the flesh of the Son of Man who comes to tell scandalous stories, die a scandalous death, and be raised again to fill all with his scandalous grace. Now you know where we got the title of the series. A scandal of grace. Right? Parables are first and foremost stories about Jesus and what he's doing. They're explainer videos, right? This is, if you've ever watched the Bible Project stuff, we put that out there often as a helpful resource, and they make these little explainer videos on, 
what's, what's a book of the Bible, what's, what's ideas, right? And they're great at doing it. I love it. But a parable to Jesus is, is not the story first and foremost, the point. It's saying, this is what I am, who I am, and what I'm doing. So let's dive into a parable this morning and a story found in Luke. Luke 7. Let's hear God's word together. Luke 7, starting in verse 36. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, so she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. Now, she stood behind him and at his feet weeping. She began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, right? He's thinking in his mind. He didn't say this out loud. If this man were a prophet, he would know who's touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she's a sinner. But Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Well, tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii, about a year and a half's worth of wage, and the other 50, a couple months. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Right? Two months, one year and a half, doesn't matter. They both had debt they could not repay, and they were relieved of that debt. Jesus said this, now which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You've judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned towards the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You didn't give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't give me a kiss, but this woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You didn't put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. And Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests, they began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. This is God's word for us this morning. Thanks be to God. We think about this story, this setting. Jesus is invited to Simon the Pharisee's house, right? This is the reality. And what does Jesus do? He goes. I mean, this isn't a bad deal. No knock on, on Simon the Pharisee as a religious person. Um, it, it's a credit to him. The Sadducees were more offended by Jesus and actually stood against him. But there were plenty of, especially followers of Hillel, they were, they were one of the, the sects of Pharisees, or the Shammai and Hillel, a couple schools. But those followers of Hillel were definitely more open to Jesus' message. You might say, uh, in, in our day and age time frame, it's, I know it's sort of a gross oversimplification, but they were a little more liberal in the Pharisee school. So they were a little more, uh, shall we say, intrigued by Jesus as a rabbi, a teacher, right? We hear that in the passage, teacher, sure, teacher, talk to me. They're, they're intrigued by what he's saying, 
And, and what he's speaking about, a prophet isn't just speaking about what is to come and foretelling a future. A prophet stands and says, here's God's kingdom, here's the kingdom of the world, and let me help you see that these are not two things that are running side by side. Let me tell you how the world's getting it wrong and what God's kingdom expects. So, so they saw that in his teaching. So Simon, intrigued by Jesus, right, invites Jesus, and what does Jesus do? He comes to the table. Because you know what? That's Jesus' M.O., there's not a table that Christ doesn't come to, isn't willing to sit, sit at, and there's not a person that he's not willing to engage. Oh, we can just leave it there and we're done today. That's the good news. <laughs> Go in peace. <laughs> right? But Jesus, he comes, there's more to this story. He sits with Simon. And we know, though, that while Simon is intrigued and invites and Jesus comes, we know that Simon's attitude towards Jesus is actually a little standoffish. We hear in the anointing of the woman that Jesus is, that, that Simon didn't even extend some of the basic hospitality things to Jesus. Sure, you're able to come, but he, wouldn't, he didn't give him a, a, even a basin to wash his feet, which was normal in that day. He didn't even greet Jesus with a kiss, which would have been a common handshake. He didn't need to necessarily anoint a guest coming in. However, if they were respected, you would anoint their head with oil. So there was no anointing. The woman, however, breaks over well over a year's worth of wage wrapped up in the perfume she pours on his feet. Right, but Simon, in his sort of sketchiness, his put-offness to Jesus, he's, he's intrigued, but he's trying to figure out who Jesus is, doesn't extend any kind of real hospitality. Sure, you can come, but uh, I'm evaluating you, <laughs> right? How many of you like sitting down with somebody knowing that you're being evaluated? How many of you have had that happen over the holidays? Mm. It sucks, doesn't it? When you sit at a table and somebody's, you're, you're on edge because all they're ever doing is looking to get you, Right, and you can hear it. We hear it even in Simon's mind. When the woman comes in, what does he do? See, don't you know? She's a sinner, and he's thinking it. Now, here, here's the irony. Jesus, the prophet, right, he can't possibly be a prophet because he's letting this sinner touch him, which, by the way, makes him unclean. And this is God. Jesus is wrecking the Pharisees' idolization of the standard, which is the law. Right? That's what Pharisees do. They worship the standard more than the one who created the standard. But he's thinking this, going, you're not a prophet. However, Jesus knows his mind. Right? Hey, Simon, I got something to tell you. But can Simon see that? No, because he's too busy judging Jesus. And not only is he too busy judging Jesus, he's judging the woman who's known to be a sinner in the community, Right? And in her, he saw a pedestal to prop himself up with, right? He, he saw that she was a standard. She wasn't meeting the standard. We don't know what her sin is. It's kinda, there's a lot of church tradition that says she probably might have been a prostitute because everybody knew her sin. She could have been the town gossip for all we know. I think that's the beauty of Luke. Luke's saying, I'm not going to tell you her name, and I'm not going to tell you why she sinned. Because actually, in all of this, you don't need to know any of those things. She's a sinner. Beauty for me in that is, now I can see myself in the story. 
Because sometimes if I get to know her sin, I can, like Simon, separate me from her. But in being a sinner, I can't. Right? That's Simon's mentality. And let's talk about this, quote-unquote, sinful woman. Right? She went uninvited to Simon's house. Now, there were rules. Right? This dinner was probably happening in more of a courtyard for all to see. That would not have been uncommon, especially for Pharisees and teachers, because they wanted people to watch at what they were doing. That's part of how you taught. Watch me. But they also did it to put on a show. Right? Simon's like, if I can show you that I can best Jesus and the crowd can watch, yeah, this is great. Right? If I could show you how smart I am compared to him, this is great. But there were rules for the other side. You don't cross that imaginary boundary. You can watch, but you don't get to play. Right? None of us get to jump the line. We watch this in football. Right? It's the last weekend of, uh, of the regular season in the NFL. Right? How many times do we see in sporting People think it's fun. Let's go run out on the court. And what happens? You get knocked out. I would not recommend doing that on a football field. There's some big fellas out there. <laughs> right? You're not supposed to cross that line. She broke a boundary. Right? However, we know, just like Simon, she was intrigued by Jesus. When she came to Jesus, what's she doing? She's weeping. She doesn't weep at the end of the story. She comes weeping. The, the, the language in this parable and in this story makes us, makes us aware that she had some kind of interaction in, in connection to Jesus, that she came already knowing about the forgiveness of debt that this parable speaks to. So she comes weeping and intrigued by Jesus, but that weeping causes her to do what? Put her on the defensive? No, to be extravagant and even undignified towards him. It's, it's like back in the 60s when the Beatles came out. <laughs> right? People are freaking out. We watched, we're catching up on The Voice. We've been binge watching The Voice. I love watching those, right? And they're, they're like, oh, this year, Ariana Grande. Oh, Ari, oh. <laughs> you know, it's like, okay. You get overcome in the presence of somebody, though, who has had an impact. I don't want to negate that for anybody. But you come in the presence of somebody that you know is special and important. Right? And she, she pours this perfume that's worth a year's wage over him. As a woman, she lets her hair down. Now, by the way, that's not appropriate. In that day and age, only your husband was allowed to see you with your hair down. Ladies, did you know that? Right? You're not supposed to show that. It was seen then, if you did that outside of the context, that you were being overtly sexual. However, we see in this story, if it wasn't for her tears, we wouldn't know that you could also let your hair down in mourning, and in grief, and in humility. Right? Her tears cue us in. She wasn't being, coming on to Jesus. She was coming to Jesus as a forgiven daughter of God. And Jesus tells a parable to Simon, right? To this Pharisee. He doesn't say, hey, by the way, Simon, you're wrong. He invites Simon in with a story. There's two debtors. Both of them have debt that can't be repaid. One fifty, one five hundred. So let me ask you a question, Simon. 
when, when, the, when the one, the leader, the patron, because they had in that day in Middle Eastern culture, patron-client relationships, right? As we do here, you owe me money. You're indebted to me. He comes and he forgives it. I mean, that was earth-shattering. You don't do that because if you can hold debt over someone, you have control over them. You don't do that in any society, do you? Why would I relieve it? So Jesus in his upside-down kingdom says he relieves it all. Because that's how God works, by the way. Relieves the debt without you being able to do anything about it. Relieves it all. But let me ask you this question. Who loved more? Invite Simon in. Maybe he can see himself in the story. Maybe he can't. We don't know. There's not an end to the story as we know it. And he says what? Well, I suppose. <laughs> right? That's always a good answer. That's sort of politics at its finest, right? Well, I suppose. <laughs> I suppose the one who was forgiven him. And what does Jesus do? He stops having the conversation with Simon and he says, okay, Simon, instead of everybody, you inviting everybody to look in on this conversation, I'm going to invite everybody to look in on a different one. And he looks at a woman who was broken before him, who had been weeping over his feet. Now they walked around in barefoot sandals, folks, with her tears drenching his feet. Takes her hair, she's wiping his feet. And takes some of the most expensive perfume and anoints them. I love you much. You're forgiven, child. Right? It was that forgiveness wasn't because she loved much. Actually, we'd miss it if we looked at it that way. He goes, You get it. Right? It, uh, we wouldn't understand the parable. The parable says what? We've been forgiven before we love, not the other way around. He sees in her, though, the fruit of what that forgiveness does. Right? That's what she, her faith in him is a fruit of the canceling of debts, of something that cannot be achieved. Neither her nor Simon could do. And she's free. And the rest of the community gets to see this lived parable, parable as well as the spoken parable, and they're going, who is this who even forgives sins? That's my question for you today. Who is this who forgives sins? Who cancels a debt that we could not ourselves cancel? See, she saw herself the way Jesus saw her. She didn't see herself based on how Simon did, how the crowd did, about how her past did. Simon saw himself based on her and Jesus and positioned himself based on what everybody else thought. But for her, she saw herself through the eyes of her Savior. And my question for us this morning is, how do we see ourselves? Because if we use this story just to put ourselves counter to Simon, we're doing the same thing Simon did to her. We're using him to prop ourselves up in our own righteousness, whatever that righteousness may be. And if we use her too to evaluate ourselves, we're missing the point because the point of every parable is what? Jesus. In his upside-down kingdom. 
his scandalous grace. His grace that welcomes us in. That changes the sinner and the supposed saint, the Pharisee. Because Jesus sits at everybody's table. There's not a person he isn't willing to engage. Our question is, will we put our faith in him? That's how the, that's how the woman can be at least an, a model for us. She put her faith in Jesus and not in someone else. Where do we put ours today? Will it be in Christ, our Savior? Or will it be based on someone else, something else? Let's pray. God, thank you for, in essence, it's almost like we got two parables. (laughs) It's this story of Jesus that that in itself is, is working a story Lord, we, don't get to, we didn't get to watch it firsthand. We get to read about it. But for those who were watching, Lord, they were mystified. Who is this that even forgives sins? Lord, I pray that we'll be able to see you like the woman saw you. That we'll see ourselves based on your canceling of our debts as you're the one who is unashamed to sit with us. Whether we come with a little bit of skepticism whether we come broken before you. It doesn't matter, Lord, as long as we come to you. Lord, because when we, we come to you, it, it, again, it's that beautiful like tension. It's that back and forth. You come to us, we come to you. It, we've got to work together in this. And you'll come 100% of the way, but we at least just have to turn to you. So, Lord, continue to help us turn our eyes and our hearts towards you. Father, and as we turn our hearts and our eyes towards you, God, help us not to judge ourselves based on others. God, it's easy to set our righteousness up against Simon and go, well, at least I'm not like him. It's easy to go, at least I'm not like her. Or, you know what, Lord, if I just do what she did here, you'll you'll love me more. Lord, help us to just live and dwell at your feet. God, again, thank you for your scriptures. Thank you for your truth. May it continue to to rest in us. May your kingdom, kingdom continue to grow within us, our hearts and our minds, Lord, through our hands and how we serve others and treat others as well. Pray these things, Lord, in the name of Jesus and all God's people said. Amen. We invite you to stand and sing with us one more time. carried a burden for too long on my own. I wasn't created to bear it alone. I hear your invitation to let it all go. to the Father, I fall. 
hiding, no reason to wait. My heart needs a surgeon, my soul needs a friend, so I'll run to the Father again and again and again and again. at his table for you. So my prayer is that you're able to rest in the canceling of a debt and a welcoming Savior who wants to breathe his life in yours. And I pray that you can extend that same kind of grace-filled living to those you encounter this week. 
Receive this blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance, his smile upon you, and give you his peace. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and all God's children said, amen. Go in peace, and if you don't mind helping stack a few chairs, we would appreciate it.